Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs, to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. And my guest today is an inspiring entrepreneur, Mr. Richard Gamble, the visionary behind the colossal project to build the Eternal Wall, a monumental piece of public art revealing a million personal prayers, the largest database of hope stories in the entire world. Having the idea back in 2004, for the past five years, Richard has shared the incredible concept all around the UK, rallying people in the belief that one individual's answered prayer can be another person's hope. After becoming a Christian in 1990, Richard studied at Bible College and then worked for British Gas before leaving the big corporate world to make his mark in entrepreneurship, co-founding both a software business and a marketing consultancy. With a keen love of football, he became CEO of Sports Chaplaincy UK and was also former chaplain of Leicester City Football Club before they were famous and won the Premiership. You're going to love him. Here he is. It's Richard Gamble. Yay! Hello, Richard. Hey, Steve. What a build-up. <laughs> what a build-up. What a man. What a man. I love chatting to entrepreneurs because I'm a bit of an entrepreneur and it's always exciting. Uh, is it possible to be a successful entrepreneur without being ruthless? Oh, that's a good question. My dad says I'm a bit ruthless. I, I would prefer to say focus. <laughs> I think I think you have to you have to know what you want to do and, and not get distracted. So... Uh, that's a bit, bit of a warmer word, isn't it? Than being it is, because I love watching Dragon's Den and it's all about the bottom line and it's all about money, isn't it? And profit <laughs> and, you know, some of these great yeah. businesses. And you think, just believe in these people. Give them a flipping chance. It's a great cause. You might not make money out of it. But the f- Yeah, well, I, we actually, we actually, my business actually got invited on Dragon's Den. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and we, we turned them down. <laughs> oh, I love it. Which was some which is something we regretted a few years later. <laughs> but we felt very pleased with ourselves at the time. So, Richard, have you always had this entrepreneurial streak in you? I mean, as a kid, were you selling baby hamsters or mice and things uh, at yeah, school? You know, yeah, do you know what? I was, the first thing I sold at school were, was custard creams. <laughs> so I would, I would, I was up, when my mum gave me the biscuits in the morning, I'd always go for the custard creams because I could, I could lick out the middle and sell the biscuits. Really? And I used to sell uh, ten pence pieces. How much uh, for? for the table for the table football table? So I'd, I'd stand there, go over to the shop in the morning, collect loads of ten pence pieces, and then uh, you know sell up for twenty p at the uh, the table football table. So <laughs> full demand and supply. Eh? This is going to be a fascinating conversation and I'm so impressed with what you've done with the Eternal Wall of Answered Prayer and I know we're going to chat a lot about that. But the podcast is all about memory, so we're going to take you back. I know you had a traumatic time as a five-year-old. Tell us about your near-death experience. Yeah, I, I um, on holiday with my folks and uh, I was asked to uh, get, my sister was playing in the pool 
and uh, I told to get her for tea, and, and I sort of leant over the pool to shout her, and and fell in, fell in the deep end, and I. I can I can remember it really clearly even now, even though I was just a few years old, just sort of floating to the bottom, God. and just how and just how quiet it was. I couldn't swim. I didn't for some reason I didn't make any effort to swim, and and just sort of you know drifted down to the bottom. And um, this bloke was walking past in a white suit, and uh, and jumped in and saved me, Man. and. Uh, to this day, I, I sort of believe that was an angel. I might be, it might have just been an unlucky bloke in a white suit, you know. But, but um, yeah, he just he just gave me back to my parents, and then that, they never saw him again. And uh, just think, oh, maybe maybe I've got a little angel looking out for me. Wow, you believe in angels? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've never. I mean, it, I can't, I can't remember what he looked like, of course. I just remember getting dragged out. But, you know, you hear some amazing stories, don't you, of um, different angelic visitations and stuff. And, uh, yeah, definitely believe in angels. And has that sort of thing happened to you again through your life? Have you seen an angel or has an angel helped you? Well, I've, I've, yeah, I've got that in my last story, my, my, my sort of embarrassing story. Oh, okay. I've got a bit of angelic visitation maybe so i'll I'll, uh, I'll i'll save that one for you save that leave us on a cliffhanger this is the backstory podcast with steve leg and friends so richard tell us about becoming a christian once again this happened in your younger years yeah so not not brought up in a christian household uh and used to like one day in the week would always stay with my nan and it's quite disturbing when I think about this now, but the, the house next door was having a bit of a domestic and my nan went, oh, have a look at this, and got the old glass and, you know, ran a finger along the grass and then stuck it against the wall. But I learned <laughs> you, could, you could listen to next door's arguments, you know. That was, that was when we only had three channels on TV. You know? <laughs> so, so, so I thought, well, this is a good little skill. And, and I went, went home the following day I thought, oh, I'll give this a go and uh, listen to my mum and dad. And I overheard my mum saying, well, you know, she's got to go to the hospital because she might have cancer. And and so I, you know, obviously shocked by that. And I just um, knelt by the side of my bed, put my hands together, because that's the way I'd seen them do it on TV, and just prayed and said, God, will you look after my mum? And really difficult to describe but I just felt this incredible warmth almost like a big hand around me mm. just looking after me saying it's going to be okay and and from that was the moment where no matter what anybody says to me or no matter whatever I experience I just cannot doubt the existence of God from that moment because he was there with me my mum was okay um, but I've always realised that he was he was looking out for me. Wow! Tell us how you grew in your faith then, as an eleven-year-old. Did you find a local church, or did you pick up some Christian yeah, books? Well, yeah, I sort of, I sort of, uh, I went, yeah, I went, I went to sort of the local church, and but I remember going there and thinking, this is just not real. This is just people wearing nice hats and 
going through the motions. So it was nine years, Steve. So from the age of 11 till the age of 20, it was nine years till somebody shared the gospel with me. Cool. And, and, and so I was just waiting. That's been like a, a driver for my life. Why did I have to wait nine years? Mm-hmm. And um, I went to a church and everyone's singing and I'm looking at everybody thinking, this is real to them. This is the first time I've seen this. And then I felt that same experience of like that big hand of God being around me. And I thought, okay, this is, this is, this is the right place to be. And then somebody just took me out for a few beers and, and shared the gospel with me. And, you know, I got saved there and then in the pub after three pints of cider. <laughs> Lovely. Was it hard growing up as a first generation Christian? The only one in your family? Uh, well, I mean, I think my, my family are very understanding mm. and tolerant, and sort of it was a a bit of a well, that's nice for you, yes, sort of deal. My brother, who was twelve years younger than me, uh, got saved a few few years after I got saved, and I think for him it was almost harder because they were like, "Oh, you did it because your brother's doing it," mm. you know. So. Um, I think I think first and foremost, I think they're glad I was happy. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I got when I got married, one of my mates from university was at the wedding, went up to my dad and went, We're really glad Richard's become a Christian because he'd be dead by now if he hadn't. Wow. <laughs> so like, oh thanks thanks very much, Dave. Your time is slightly off there on a wedding day, but yeah, I was I was I was I was headed in one direction pretty fast, you know. So so um Though I had a belief at 11, it, it was another nine years until mm. I really got my life in order, you know, or at least on the right track. This is Lieutenant Colombo, and you're listening to Steve Legg's Backstory Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough today. i let you go ahead and listen. Oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. So Richard Gamble, you've got to tell us about this idea for this this wall, this beautiful sculpture, construction, this this wall of answered prayer. Because um, in the intro, you, you you kind of had the idea in two thousand and four, but it's only the last five years you've been sort of fundraising. Can you tell us what happened yeah. between two thousand and four and two thousand and sixteen? Was that a lot of yeah, ideas sure. and people people poo pooing the idea and frustrations or? No, Spill the beans, really. pal. Yeah, not really. I mean, I sort of, I sort of, um, I was walking across Leicestershire, carrying a cross as you do, just because <laughs> yes. I wanted people to, just I wanted people to think about Jesus during Easter, and it had a really big impact. And uh, and as I was doing it, I just sort of felt, you know, I was talking to God and said, "Well, what do you want me to do next?" And this this idea just sort of flashed through my head. But then for ten years. Um, it was just sort of there in the background and, and occasionally you talk to people and go, oh, I've got this idea and they just go, yeah, all right then. Nice <laughs> idea or just let's talk about something else. And, and in my naivety, I just thought, you know what, once I've got 20 grand, I'll buy a piece of land and I'll get started. You know, the, the actual piece of land we've ended up getting is 1.7 million. So that's how, that's how far off it I was. 
but you know the doors just weren't open and then and then sort of uh, I think it was seven years ago now was the moment where I felt right bang I need to I need to start this and and uh, met a met a Christian architect who was able to sort of go yeah we can do this and, and pointed me in the right direction of having a running a global competition to get it designed because I just didn't know how to get it started and that seemed to be the right way and so what I did was then after 10 years of sort of faffing about not really knowing what to do I thought right okay I know what to do now I need to I need to run a crowdfunder and raise the money for for this idea and, and the idea was really simple it's to build a national monument made of a million bricks where every brick represents an answered prayer and to use state-of-the-art technology where people can point their phone at a brick and their phone will light up and tell them the story. And and in doing that, we believe we're going to make hope visible that people will be inspired by hearing the stories of what Jesus has done. And I don't know how I did it, Steve, but somehow I I end up on BBC Radio 2 with this project, which... I don't know where it's going to be, and I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I'm asking people, can you give money to support me and, and support the project, which at the time just seemed the most obvious thing to do. And now I look back on it and think, I am, what an idiot. I had, I had nothing. And and I thought, like, you just get loads, you know, launching on BBC Radio 2, and we, and we got nothing. Mm. And um, it was it was horrific because I just thought I've been on national radio and I'm going to embarrass God here. And the way crowdfunding works, if you don't hit your target, you don't get any of it. Sure. And so we needed to raise forty five thousand in forty days. Um, with four days to go, I still needed to raise twenty two and a half thousand pounds. We were a mile off, and. Um, you know, people by this time nobody wants to talk to me, answer the phone, pick up the email, you know, respond to emails, nothing. And I decided to do something I'd never done in my life before and I, I decided to pray through the night. And I went up on this hill and uh, just in complete darkness, just prayed and just like, Lord Jesus, help me. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then at a, oh, it must have been about three o'clock at night. Uh, it's really difficult to describe, but I just had this bright white light behind me for just like a millisecond that just lit up the whole sky. And I just felt God speak to me and say, your job is to, to lead in peace. And that's been a, a, a sort of a, a message for me for this whole journey, to be, to be in peace all the way through. And so that's what I did. I had two days of wrestling with God to try and be at peace. And then we've got two days to go to raise the money because after two days, I was like, okay, it's not my project. God will do what he will do. And that moment of hitting that place, then suddenly with two days to go, all the money, all the money came in and uh, I'm like, right, we're in business. God's wow. got me in the right place. We can do it. Oh, man, It was incredible. That is incredible. And how much have you raised since the crowdfunder? Oh, gosh. Um, we must be, well, it, yeah, it's difficult. It, that's not an issue. From the public, we've raised about £700,000. And then from other sources, we must be up to about 
three and a half, four million. Ooh, it's been it's <laughs> been an incredible journey. It's been is, a roller coaster. Oh, it's, it sounds incredibly sexy, but when you're there having to sign contracts and waiting for money to come through, it's it's not, is it? No, and, and but I'm lear- what I'm learning is, I mean, and particularly at this time, you can look at the economics and go, you're stuffed here. You're absolutely stuffed. But what I'm learning is the different times that God has answered prayer for us on the journey. Mm. We write those all down in a book. So the team, so when we're struggling, we just read them through to ourselves or to each other and go, God is in this. Mm. Undeniably, God is in this. So we don't need to worry. We don't know where it's going to come from. We need another miracle. We're in the land of impossible once more, but (laughs) he always comes through. And uh, it's, you know, it is going to be a banging story when when it's finished. And we hope to get it built by uh, 2022. Oh, wow. Well. I can't wait to tell the story. Oh, mate, that's amazing. Yeah, I've learned over 33 years being on the road and raising money that finance follows faith. And I wish it was the other way yeah. around, but it's not, is it? And it gives you grey hairs and raises your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, it really yeah. does. I look, I look fantastic before I started this journey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I look a wreck now. But there we go. But I do, I, do think, I do think God's more interested in the journey than mm. the outcome. I think He's right. more interested in that development of faith than actually the thing that you're asking for. Oh, totally. Rich, do you have any, any tips or any advice for people who are, are who are fundraising? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, number one, um, what are you, you know, my question would be, what are you called to do? Do the thing that you're called to do because the, you know, the, the cliche is provision follows the vision. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. So for us, obviously, we've got a physical thing that we're trying to build. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to make hope visible. So I will share stories of what God does all the time because that's what I believe called to do. And then the, and then the, the funds follow. If you focus on the funds, you get, you get in a mess then. Wise words, mate. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the memories. So I'm here with Richard Gamble. This is really inspiring, Rich. I'm absolutely loving this. We always like to hear an embarrassing occasion. Um, I have many normally DIY-related. And I know you were telling me something about chopping down a tree. Tell us more, please, yeah. matey. Yeah, I have got so many embarrassing including DIY setting fire to a bathroom. But but um, <laughs> the, the tree one is, uh, my wife said, my wife came to me and she said, Harry's dad has asked if he could park his car on our drive for a year. What do you think? And I said, well, do you know what? If he helps us chop down the tree, because we've got this pear tree that was causing some problems in the back, back garden. I said, if he, if, he, if he chops down the tree for us, yeah, that's a fair trade. And my wife gave me a really funny look, and I went, oh, all right then, which I should have gone, why have you given me a funny look? But I didn't do it. <laughs> and then on the day, Harry's dad walks in, and I suddenly realised why my wife's given me a funny look, because it's not my, my son James's friend, Harry's dad, who's a tree surgeon, 
it's my son Isaac's friend, Harry's dad, who is a locksmith. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a locksmith about to chop down a tree. Unfortunately, he's one of those blokes who believe he can do anything. You know, if he's got the right tools, he can do it. And <laughs> so he walks in with his chainsaw, and immediately I'm thinking, just tell him you messed it up. Just tell him you messed it up and then move on. And I hesitate and I don't do that. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And he starts lopping off the wrong branches. And I'm thinking, this is going into the house. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like God's going, Rich, just stop the madness. Stop this now. But I was just so embarrassed. I couldn't do it. And the longer it got on, the more obvious it was going to go into the house. But unbelievably, my embarrassment, you know, overrode it. And I, and I was like, mate, what, should, should we not be like tying the rope to this or something? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Tie rope to it. So, so there I am standing with a, a 60-foot pear tree with me holding a rope, somehow thinking that, that my sort of, 14 stone is going <laughs> to change the direction. And then, and then he said, he said, right, what I'm going to do, Rich, he said, I'll start doing this bit here and then it's going to start going and at that point, pull the rope and I'll come round and I'll pull the rope with you. And and it, the tree starts going and it's going into the house and he just stands there. He doesn't run to help me. He just swears very loudly. <laughs> I, meanwhile, am holding the rope, but flying through the air because he's pulling me in the wrong direction. And uh, and I kid you not, it's about to go into the house. And then just like no more than a metre before it about goes into the house, it takes a 90-degree turn and goes into the garden. And and this bloke just stood there and he went, you were praying, weren't you? And I went, yes, I was. And I believe I believe an angel flight knocked that in the other direction because it would have written up my ass. I've been in the right mess. Wow. So, uh, and, that, and that's all because I was too embarrassed to say anything, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, but uh, I think the grace of God bailed me out there without a shadow of a doubt. Someone was definitely looking after you again. In the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men for life. Richard Gamble, it's been brilliant. Lovely catching up again, mate. Um, give us some answered prayers as, as a final memory. Well, I suppose, I suppose the biggest one on the project is being praying for the land. And uh, we're praying, you know, trying to find a piece of land to build this thing on. And I, I travel over to the States and uh, went to this church. They didn't know what I was doing, but this woman came up and said, I've got a word for you. If God wants you to know he's got some heavenly land that he's already prepared for you. And we were about to pay a, a company to like do this search around the country to find the best piece. And one of the ladies who prayed for us just sort of said, look, if God's told us he's got the land, I'm just going to pray and ask him where it is. She was like, that'll save a lot of time, won't it? And I was like, well, yeah. oh, I suppose it will, yeah. So, so she then goes away and prays, comes back, and then 
circled this piece of land. And uh, she said, I believe either this is the land or the person who owns it is highly significant. And what she didn't know was the person who owned that land had emailed me two weeks previously and asked to meet with me. Wow. I mean, that's mad, isn't it? And I, yes. and I, meet, this, I meet this guy and, and I'm sharing the vision with him and, and giving it my best, Steve. And uh, he's given me the whole poker face. But at the end of the meeting, he tells me that um, six months before God had given me the vision, he had basically started a trust fund with the aim of building a national landmark about Jesus. No. Absolutely incredible. So, so he then says, well, I'm going to go away and pray about this. I'm thinking, mate, it's proper obvious. You don't need to pray about it again. And then comes back and says, uh, and I've not told him about the woman circling the land. And then he comes back and goes, right, I've decided to give you some land. So then he sits me down with all his property companies. This is all over a period of about two years. Try and find the right piece of land. Gives me this piece of land, not the one that was circled. Six months later, phones me up saying, sorry, Rich, it's not going to work. Oh, okay. Gives me another piece of land. Another six months later, phones me up, says I'm really embarrassed, but this is not going to work. So then, in the end, he employs an architect to look at all his land and come back with, you know, the piece that he wants to give me. And guess what? He gives me the piece that this woman had circled two years previously. <laughs> Wonderful. And just if you're not sure whether that's a God or not, I don't know if you've come across this, this app called What Three Words, yep. but it basically specifies piece of land by words, random words. We were on the land and we thought, I wonder what the What Three Words are. And the what three words were, occupy lands, congratulations. Boom. <laughs> Boom. That is our answer prayer. I mean, it's an amazing story. And it's one that we always go back to because it's just so random. We know that God's in this and God is going to help us and guide us and direct us to build a national landmark in the heart of this country, which tells the nation that Jesus is alive, that he listens, and he answers prayer. Amazing. Amazing, mate. We cannot wait. I'm going to be up there. We have a coffee in the gift shop. You can bring the custard creams. <laughs> Maybe don't. I'll bring the custard creams. I know what you're like with them. Uh, Rich, this has been absolutely brilliant. Thanks a million, pal. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.